All right, turn with me to Hebrews 13. We're going to pick up at verse 15 and make a run to the end. Um, Verses 15, 16, and 17 is where the bulk of our time is going to go. And the end of it where we get some prayer requests and a benediction. Um, We're going to move quite quickly through those. So that is how we're going to work this. If you're joining us for the first time, to go through Hebrews, just to lay it out for you. This is a pastor writing to a group of Jewish believers who have come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, and they're following Jesus. They are Christians, but they're experiencing persecution and rejection and and some ridicule for their faith in Jesus. And there was a temptation out there is maybe we ought to just go back to the temple. Maybe we ought to go back to the old covenant, to Moses and the sacrifices and to Aaron and all that beautiful wonder that was established by Moses. And so he writes to tell them that was a shadow. Those things are gone. The reality, the substance of Christ has come. He is your priest. He is your sacrifice. It is his blood that has cleansed you. And he lays out beautifully how redemption is found in the Lord. And you can't go back to the sacrifices of the temple. There was a time when they were right, and it was exactly what God wanted. And it was established under Moses that you had to go and you had to bring your sacrifice. And it atoned for sins in the old covenant. But that's over. That's done. That's dead. That's fulfilled in Jesus Christ. So if you leave Jesus Christ a fulfillment and you go back to the temple sacrifices, they're ineffective now. They had their shelf life, and at the coming of Jesus and his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead, that has been retired. You now must come, and you can only come through Jesus Christ. And those are the exhortations that we've received. Such a vital book. I hope that Hebrews has become one of your favorite books of the New Testament. I don't know how you can have a favorite, but you know, whatever book I'm teaching, that's my favorite. And so... (laughs) This week, it's and probably for the last year, has been Hebrews as we've taken our time to work through that. But we're going to wrap this up. And the title of this morning's study is New Covenant Worship. So what about Aaron? What about Moses? Um, what about the sacrifices? These were the questions. And I think contextually, the way this fits, although it's not explicit in the text, I would say contextually, the thought is something like this. So, okay, Jesus is the priest, and Jesus is the sacrifice, but you know, we used to go to the temple, and we used to bring our grain offerings, and our drink offerings, and free will offerings, and okay, he's a sinner. What do we bring now? What do we do? And I believe verses 15 and 16 say, well, these are the sacrifices. This is how you worship now. So let's read those two verses. Therefore, By him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. And do not forget to do good and to share. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. And there is a third sacrifice that we're not going to study today, but you can just write it down. It's Romans 12, 1 and 2. So verse 15 sacrifice of praise. Verse 16 the sacrifice of sharing and being kind. And then Romans 12, the third sacrifices. Those are the three sacrifices. That is new covenant worship. That's what we bring. We're not bringing the lamb and the goat. We're not bringing grain offerings anymore. What we are bringing are these sacrifices. So how do you worship? 
And I think it's important for us to see that um, we do worship, right? It's, it's, if your thought is, well, it was that formal, that was our, those rituals that they walked, to, uh, walked through, and that's, that's worship. Well, it, it, it was worship. But so is what we just did. What we just did as we were worshiping the Lord, that's worship too. The term sacrifice of praise that we read here is used in the Greek translation of the Old Testament called the Septuagint. It was the closest um, category to that would be the peace offerings. So there was the sin offerings, but then there were the peace offerings that would be brought. And this is the idea. So they would bring their unleavened bread and they'd pour oil on it. And, and this is that word that would be used of those types of offerings. What can we offer? We can come and we can worship the Lord with praise and thanksgiving. But I want to pause before we explore that thought of the sacrifice of praise for just a moment and remind you that more than just offering up these sacrifices to the Lord, we are the priesthood of the new covenant. You mean you, Troy? Yeah, me, but all of you. All of us together are part of that priesthood. Now, I, I would imagine for some of you, you're like, what do you, what do you mean priesthood? Like, what do you mean? I mean priesthood. And, and don't take my word for it. Let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 2, where he states it not once, but twice. Because I think as we see ourselves as a priesthood, and then we see ourselves with the sacrifices we're to engage in, it helps us to really center on what's important in my time and my life. So 1 Peter 2, verse 4 through 6, and then verses 9 through 10. Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house. Okay, then he's going to say a royal priesthood, a holy priesthood. So before we get to the priesthood part, here's this other part that we are. We are the, we're the house of God. We are the house of the Lord. We are living stones, and we're being fit together, and we're being built up. So yes, you individually are the temple of the Lord, and the Holy Spirit dwells within you. But collectively, we are the temple of God. Collectively, we are the house of the Lord, and the Spirit of the Lord walks in the midst of his church. He is here present in this house. Don't look at these four walls. I mean, we're sitting in here. It's nice to get out of the weather, but you're the building. You're the stones. We are the temple. Yes, individually, but collectively we are. And it's not just that. It's not just this, that, this house that he's built together spiritually, but we are a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices. Oh, there it is again. So we read about the spiritual sacrifices, but now it says you're the priesthood, you're the house, and you're to offer up sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Verse 9, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. So we get it a second time. A holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy but now have obtained mercy. So first Peter makes it clear that we are the priesthood and we should be offering up sacrifices. And then we find out that those sacrifices are the same ones that are mentioned, at least one of them, mentioned back in Hebrews, and that's the sacrifice 
of praise. So you have these, the spiritual sacrifice of praise, the spiritual sacrifice of, of showing kind and being generous, and then of your life as a living sacrifice. So let's dial in a little bit on the sacrifice of praise back there in Hebrew. Understanding that we are the temple, understanding that we're the priesthood, now let's talk about how we worship in this house. How is it that we worship and conduct our duty as the priesthood of God? And that is the giving of thanks, the sacrifice of praise. Um, this is the fruit of our lips, and this is what we should be offering up. It's, it's not just simply words, but it's the fruit of our lips. In other words, that, that fruit that is on our lips of praise, it's come from somewhere, right? You don't look at a tree and see the peaches or the apples or whatever it may be hanging off the branches. You don't assume you know that they didn't just like get somebody attached them. <clears throat> there was a whole process that that tree went through, the root system, supplying the trunk, supplying the branches, out to those blossoms and the, the pollination and the sun and the water and this whole process that God has created and you have the fruit. Well, the fruit of thanksgiving and praise on our lips, that is a, the result of the process of being called out of darkness, right? And being redeemed and being saved. And now the response is praise. And now the, the response that comes from me is worship. And how often does the writer of Hebrews say that should be happening? Every Sunday, I think it says, right? Oh, continually. <laughs> continually, every opportunity we have, there should be this whisper of praise and worship and sometimes it's not just the whisper sometimes it's that shout of joy and thanksgiving that's why I mean that's why I like when we come together corporately I like to crank it up because we get to celebrate we get to celebrate with you know the, the, a shout and thanksgiving and with loud voices because we're the redeemed of God and we have something to be excited about and so I love that corporate worship time but I also love my private worship time I love sitting on the couch and just pondering, sitting out on the deck and looking out at God's creation and just talking to him or driving down the road. And, um, you know, down the road is, for me, 20 minutes to my house, 20 minutes back. You know, that's, it's usually nothing is on. I know we have a radio station, 91.7, if you don't know that, by the way. But, <laughs> but it's usually not on because I, it just... I don't know about you, but I'm looking for quiet moments in my life. Is anybody trying to find quiet moments in their life? And so for me, this is just a, it's an opportunity to be quiet and to be thanking him and, and giving him praise and honor. And so this is the continual work that should be happening in our life. And the fruit of it should be easy because we've been redeemed. Now, when Jesus was on this earth, he met a woman in Samaria, and uh, she was... Uh, it was an interesting encounter. It's in John chapter 4. And I'm going to read verse 23, and then I'm going to come to verse 10 in just a moment. But as Jesus is talking with her, they're talking about where it is they should worship. On this mountain, on Geriz you know, Mount Gerizim, or should it be in, you know, um, on Mount Zion? And so they're, they're talking. And, and the Lord says this, But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. 
And the Father is seeking such to worship him. It is not only your duty as a priesthood, not only should it be the fruit of your lips, it's what the heavenly, our Heavenly Father is looking for. He's looking for people that will worship him. Jesus told the woman of Samaria that had she understood who she was talking to and the gift that he was able to give, she would have seized the moment and she would have asked for living water. And that's found in John chapter 4, verse 10. You don't even know whose presence you're in. Because if you knew who I am, you would not be sitting quietly having this subtle debate with me. You would be asking for living water. Now, she was not redeemed. But I think the same point is, is one that I like to make. We are redeemed, and we, God is seeking that we worship him in spirit and truth. But do we, do we realize that? Is, it, is that reality, is that truth lost on us like the truth of who Jesus was was lost on that woman at the well? I mean, we have the opportunity to come before him and give him praise and to give him honor and to give him glory and lift up a shout of joy. This is what we do. We are worshipers. You know, what is the language of heaven? Is it English? Hebrew? What is it? The language of heaven is, is worship. Get familiar with that language. Hopefully when you get to heaven, you're going to be accustomed to worshiping and praising and, and giving God glory. So Jesus declared that the Father is seeking those who would worship him. The word worship here is a very interesting Greek word. Now it's, a, you know, in our text in Hebrews 13, we have the word um, praise. That's a different Greek word. But this word that's used here for worship is a common one in the New Testament. And it is the Greek word proskunio. So you have pros towards and kunio, which means to kiss. So it literally would mean to Kiss towards. Now, we think of kiss towards as Americans, and, and our first thought is like, well, you know, your wife, your husband, you know, intimacy, your children. And love. But, but think of a different kind of kiss. Think of a kiss of homage. Think of a kiss of respect. Think of a, a kiss that is honoring somebody. That's not the way we generally function in our culture. But um, in the... Oriental culture, especially the Persian culture, um, this was something that they would do. So if you were of equal rank with somebody and you were greeting them, a typical greeting would be to kiss them on their lips. Okay, I'm, I'm glad I'm not Oriental. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, th this was something that they would do, okay? Um, another way is if you're of somebody that was in close rank, right? Not equal rank, but close rank, then you would kiss them on the, on the cheek. By the way, when you, here, here's the advice. Has anybody ever gone to a culture where they kiss on the cheek as a greeting? Yeah. Okay, how many of you have not done that? I'm going to give you, raise your hand if you have not done it. This is some very important advice. It'll save you a lot of trouble. Because, I don't know, maybe some of you wouldn't care, but when I walk into that room and I see everybody starting to kiss each other on the cheek, I'm thinking, do I go left or right? Because if I get this wrong, <laughs> we're going to kiss. Does anybody ever, is, am I the only one that's ever thought that? Has anybody else ever thought that? 
Yeah, okay, so you now you know what goes on in my mind. I'm not a very secure person, okay? So I'm, I'm thinking this all the time, and, and so I've, I've been in these places many times. So I have learned, just stay straight. Just drive straight down the middle of the lane and let them do the work of left and right. Because if you go left and they break right, you are meeting in the middle, and it's going to be very awkward. So... That's my, my travel tip. You don't have to pay anything extra for that, by the way. But. So, yeah, so if you're equal rank, you're kissing on the lips. This is, again, ancient Orientals, especially the Persians. Um, uh, if slightly different rank, you would kiss on the cheek. But if, you, if they were superior and you were the inferior, you would fall down, either t- bowing, putting your head to the ground, and throwing kisses as you did this. And so we, our word here is proskunio, to kiss towards. And, and of these three different relationships, what's our relationship with the Lord? Yeah, he's superior. And so we're bowing down and we're acknowledging, we're giving him homage, we are respecting him, we are giving him worship. <clears throat> and yet, we are the bride of Christ. And so this idea of of kissing towards is also fitting in a different way. Have you ever read this psalm? I'm sure you have. Psalm 2, verses 10 through 12. Now therefore be wise, O kings. Be instructed, you judges of the earth and all Lynchburgers. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. When his wrath is kindled but a little, blessed are all those who put their trust in him. What's that? Worship him. Worship him. And if you don't worship the Lord, it puts you in a disfavorable position because you cannot be redeemed. And if you're not experiencing the communion and fellowship of worship with Jesus and the redemption that he provides, then you will endure the wrath of the Son. So kiss the Son. If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, Come to Jesus Christ. Enter into this relationship with your creator, your maker, your redeemer. He loves your soul. He loves your soul. How many people love your soul? They love this. They love this part of me. They love that part of me. They love me for my money. They love me for, you know, the position I have. But Jesus is the lover of your soul. And nobody loves your soul like Jesus. Now, just quickly, different positions we can take in worship as you know, mentioned in Scripture, and it's not all of them. Second Chronicles 7, verse 6, at the end of this, it talks about how they're worshiping the Lord. It says, the priests sounded the trumpets opposite them while all Israel stood. So speaking about the worship that's taking place and the, the musicians, the Levites playing. And so standing before the Lord in honor of him. Psalm 95, verse 6, Oh, let us come and worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. So, yeah, we can stand before the Lord. We can kneel before the Lord. Um, We lift our hands. Psalm 63, verse 4, Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands to your name. Have you ever thought about that, that you bless the Lord? I mean, when we pray for somebody, here's a common uh, prayer that we will say, Lord, I pray you would bless this person. Or maybe we're in a situation that's like, oh, Lord, pour out your blessings upon me. I so need you. But do you realize you, in worship, 
Bless the Lord? That's pretty amazing. And he says, I will lift up my hands in your name. Psalm 134, verse 2. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Or Psalm 141, verse 2. Let my prayer be set before you as incense. So what does incense do? It fills a room with a pleasant aroma. Prayer is a pleasant aroma to the Lord. The lifting of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Every evening, a lamb would be offered there in the temple. And he says, may my hands as they're being lifted up, may that be like a that sacrifice to you. So we can stand, we can bow, we can lift our hands. First Chronicles 29 verse 20 talks about just lying out before the Lord, prostrating ourselves before the Lord and the King. And so these, I mean, it's, yes, it's your, your voice and it's your song, but it also is a position of your body that can be worship as well. And you know what happens to us when we worship? The problems that we have shrink. They may not go away, but they shrink in the light of his glory and his power and his honor. We also walk into a deep sense of fulfillment as we worship the king. How can we not? We've been created to worship him, but we've also been born again and in the new covenant as those that are to be faithful in that duty of worshiping him. And of course, we're engaging in communion. The benefits are amazing. The second sacrifice that we see, so we have this one of worship, right? We're going to come. This is how we worship under the new covenant. We sing songs. We celebrate. And, and the, the second way we do that in verse 16 is, but do not forget to do good and share, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. This is interesting. The first sacrifice is directed towards the Lord and it's worshiping him. And we are told that the first and greatest commandment is to what? Love the Lord our God. The second commandment is that we would love our neighbor as ourselves. And what's in view in this second sacrifice that we offer up? It's our neighbor. It's doing good. It's showing kindness. It's walking in generosity. It's meeting their needs. I read through 1 John this past week and it... Over and over, it talks about how we love. But if we love, we're going to take care of the need. We see a brother. We see a sister in need. We don't just say, be warmed, be filled, be gone. You know what I mean? We actually, we, we engage in that. We, we go and we meet that need. We help them. And, you know, you're like, well, but I don't have enough. Well, if you don't have it, then, then you, you can't. You're in the same place. But if you have what they need, then we are told to give to them. Because how can you say love, you love God if you don't love your brother who's right in front of you? So the sacrifice of kindness and generosity, that's what should be consuming your life. Last week we talked about covetousness and the, how that's idolatry. The New Testament calls this idolatry. But when we give, when we take our material possessions, we give somebody money, we hand that which they are in need of to meet that need in their life, not the want, but the need in their life, the Lord looks at that and he's like, oh, that pleases me. Oh, that pleases me. And I had this thought, I wonder if sometimes when that extra money comes in, whatever that actually is, but you know what I mean, it's the refund that you didn't think was coming. It's the insurance you know, rebate that you got. You overpaid. And it's like all of a sudden you get this money. 
You know, I just wonder if the Lord's like, yeah, I'm giving you that so you can please me by ministering to a need. And I would encourage all of us to be looking out. Now listen, we are, we are called to be stewards over 100% of all that we have. I think the mentality that sometimes, well, I steward 10, 10% or whatever that amount is that has been worked out in your heart between the Lord. It's like, okay, I did that. Now the rest is mine. Let's go. Woo! No, no. It's, we're accountable for it all. And if you have given and you turn around and you see somebody who's in need, don't, don't you dare say, well, I'm off the hook. I already gave somebody else's turn. If you still have it, You've got to give it. That's, that is a teaching of, of Scripture. Now, listen, if there are some of you in here have it and you're not doing it, well, the Bible says learn how to bear your own load, right? Learn how to partner in. Don't put it all on everybody else's shoulders. But if we all are watching out for each other, nobody will ever have a need that goes unmet. I believe that because the Lord cares about us and he is, finds pleasure in watching us do this. So, worship is a sacrifice. Kindness and generosity. It's, it's, your, it's another priestly duty as you engage in this. So consider this picture. Jesus is the high priest of our faith according to the order of Melchizedek. But we serve as priests as well, don't we? We come to a temple made of living stones. They went to a temple that Solomon made. The Spirit of God dwells in the midst of his spiritual temple, even as the Spirit of the Lord descended on that temple when they ignited the altar and the Lord's presence was there. And the priests had the clothing that they wore, but we are dressed and we are wearing robes of righteousness, right? And those garments of salvation. And they offered the sacrifices of the animals and the grain and the wine we offer the sacrifice of praise and we offer the sacrifice of kindness and generosity to those that are in need. This is how we worship. As we move on into verse 17, we come to this next point. And again, contextually, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to frame it this way. <clears throat> this is a group of people. They were used to having the priest. They were used to having the king. Now they're no longer going uh, to the temple. They don't have a king over them at this time in history anyway. And so who, how do they go about the structure? What, who's in charge? What do we do? And I believe this is what's in view. Verse 17, obey those who rule over you and be submissive for they watch out for your souls. As for those who must give account, let them do so with joy and not with grief for that would be unprofitable for you. So the exhortation is to uh, the church member, but there's also an aspect, as I read this, where I feel the heavy weight of that phrase as those who must give an account. I will give an account for how well I have cared for you. Now here's the, here's the odd thing. 29 years ago, when service was over, do you know what we did? We all went out to a restaurant together. And we did that for a long time. You know, we would go, and maybe it wasn't everybody, but, you know, we would go out to the restaurant, and it would almost be the whole church that was there. And so I got to know everybody. I knew everybody. I mean, we, we did, a lot of us had moved from different places, and so 
I mean, we did our holidays together. I had no family here. That was, that was and still is family. Um, but now I have other family. But this, this, is, this is very different. I don't even know all of you. Do, you. do you have any idea how bad I feel when I meet you? And say, yeah, I've been coming here for three years. I'm just like, you're terrible, Troy. You are a terrible human being. You I mean, this is it. I mean, I'm just telling you. You don't have to, I mean, it's just it's like, it's like, why? But you know, I may not know your name, but let me tell you this. I am caring for your, your soul. And I do that as I stand in front of you and I teach the word. I do that as, as we pray. I do that as we gather together as you know, pastoral staff and elders and, and, the, and the entire staff thinking about how to best minister to you and what are the needs that you have. And, and we're thinking and we are using our Bible to figure out how to do this. Don't be offended by this. Be very thankful for this. We are not taking surveys to find out what you want. We're reading our Bibles and finding out what we're commanded to do. That King Jesus said, this is the way you care for my church. And so this is what we do. And you pray for us to do that. We want to, we want to be faithful in delivering the word. We want to be faithful in praying for you. We want you to know that you're loved and you're cared for. We want to spend our time raising up other leaders with how we've grown that you can get to know that we're pouring into so that you can have somebody near your life. This is where the home fellowships and the prayer meetings for men and women. This is where, you know, the women's Bible study and the men's Bible study and the, all the other studies we have and the leaders that are contributing. This is so that, that they can help with this oversight and caring for your soul. But there's a word to you as well, that you are to be in submission and you are to, to yield. And I... Listen, I feel like that you are. I mean, I don't, I don't feel a rebellion. I don't, I don't feel that. I know Calvary Chapel Lynchburg is not going to be the best place for every believer to be. I'm, I'm totally fine with that. I mean, that's, I'm, I'm all right. There's not enough room here anyway for everybody in Lynchburg. So that's fine. But if you're here or if you're at a church down the road and you're just visiting or wherever your home church is or if you're moving and you're going to go find another church, you need to be under the... The, that leadership, and you need to find and, and pick a church that they're going to, number one, do they teach the word? Because if, if they don't teach the word, don't go there. I'm just going to say it. Don't go there. Well, I mean, what are you doing? You're going to a place where it's commanded that the word of God is taught, and if they're not teaching the word of God, I mean, I'm not saying do it like Troy does it, but if the word of God is not opened and taught, then you need to find another place because they're not caring for your soul. And in a place where, where prayer is, where you're being exhorted to follow Jesus and you're given opportunity to, to, to use um, the gifts the Lord has for you. And so, listen, you've got to walk in submission to that leadership. Titus 1.5 says, For this reason I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. So the structure of the new covenant gathering is elders that are overseeing the care of the church. And I'm just going to tell you, from um, the, the elders that serve on the, the board of directors and the elders that serve as um, pastors here, you guys, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you, that I'm not including myself, you have great elders. These men, they care for you. And they pray for you. And they are jealous for you and your spiritual well-being. And they are... You would, if you could 
See some of the behind-the-scenes meetings of the care and the thoughtfulness that, and prayer that's going into are we doing the best job we can do with what God has told us to do to serve. And so this is the structure of the church, is that there are men that are put in those positions. And of course, outside of that leadership um, of elders, there's many other that serve in all different kinds of capacities of you know, men and women, just there's hundreds of people that are serving to make certain that we do this. And you, that's the Lord's plan. That's, that's how it, it works. Now, as we come to the close here, verses 18 through 25, I'm not going to spend a lot of time in these verses. We're, we're coming to the end. But we have his prayer. He, offered, he asked for, you know, please pray for me, verses 18 and 19. Pray for us, for we are confident that we have a good conscience in all things desiring to live honorably. So maybe there was a charge that they weren't. But I especially urge you to do this, that I may be restored to you the sooner. So circumstantially, something was keeping them from being able to be with them. He's saying, but we know we're not guilty as charged. We've done the right thing. So he asked them to pray, and they believed in the power of prayer. In the early church, we believe in the power of prayer. If you... We're here this past Wednesday night. You got to hear a testimony of the power of God to heal and to touch. But listen, we have the Sunday night prayer. We have the Tuesday, Monday morning women's prayer. At what time? 6.30 in the morning, ladies. You can come here and be part of the prayer. And then um, on Tuesday morning, uh, Chris, what time is it? The 6 a.m., men, you can be here to pray. So there's at least three times to get here and to pray. So pray. Be a part of that. We believe in the power of prayer. Um, and this is a, the, the exhortation you find often in Scripture. And then in verses 20 and 21, you have the benediction. Now, may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight. So the goal is that we are made complete, that we are equipped to go and do what he wants us to do. Oh, so you're going to school. Good. Be a good student. Learn what you need to learn at school. You're, you're in your career. Be the best you can be in that career. Learn how to do it. Learn how to do the best job you can as a believer. Be, be able to do those things. But the most important thing you will ever learn to do is to be fully equipped to please Jesus. And may, the, may nothing else take more time from our life than learning to be fully equipped for every good work that we could be pleasing to him and in his sight. How does that happen? Through Jesus Christ. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. And I appeal to you, brethren, bear the word of exhortation, for I've written to you in a few words. What's that? Do everything I just told you to do. And he gave some strong exhortations. He gave some of, I would say, the most serious and sobering exhortations you can find anywhere in the New Testament are found in the book of Hebrews. And he says, do them. Don't be lazy. Bear them up. Find out what you have to do. Walk out what I've commanded you. Know that our brother Timothy has been set free, with whom I shall see you if he comes shortly. Greet all those who rule over you, 
And all the saints, those from Italy, greet you. Grace be with you all. Amen. Man, thank you, Lord, for the book of Hebrews, huh? So amazing. It makes us understand how we got from the Old Testament, Old Testament covenant into the new covenant and why we don't walk out some of those things. It helps us to see the beauty and the glory of Jesus. It, it is a unashamed, you know, exhortation to be full on for Jesus Christ. Do you remember saying that in the 80s? I was full on, you know. That was like... That's what we said all the time. Everything was full on. You know, it didn't matter what it was. It was full on. We need to be full on for Jesus Christ. Totally pressing in and seeking after him and running with him with all that we have. May we do it. Father, thank you for this word, this truth that has come to us. And we see the beauty of your son, Jesus. We see who he is and what he has done for us. And Lord, we want to worship you. And we want to say thank you. We want to give you praise. Lord, we want to do that which is pleasing in your eyes. We want to love one another. We want to have koinonia. We want to share with those around us that have need. Lord, give us a heart to, to meet the needs around us. Give us wisdom and discernment to know the legitimate need when we see it. And Lord, may you be pleased with these offerings, with these sacrifices. Lord, that you have redeemed us in the way that you've redeemed us, that you've called us to, into this royal priesthood, given us sacrifices we are to offer. Lord, our hearts and our minds are just overflowing. And we want to do that. And we want to be faithful to the very end. As we get ready to close with this song, if you need to get right with the Lord today, your follower... You're, you're a Jesus follower, but man, you are way off track. And maybe you haven't been here for this whole book, but maybe you've been for here for the studies and you keep saying, I'll, I'll get it, I'll get it, I'll do it later, I'll do it. No, now, right now. Right now, resolve that waywardness of your heart. Repent of it and come back to him. So many exhortations. I, I'm concerned for those they would sit through the entire study of the book of Hebrews, hearing warning after warning, and not heed it. I, I, I just, in my mind, I'm like, I don't know what it's going to take. It's a word of the Lord. But if you've never come to the Lord, then, then hear the invitation. Kiss the Son. What's that? Worship Him. Come and acknowledge your, your sin and ask Jesus to forgive you. Become a worshiper and a follower full on of Jesus Christ and know the joy and the blessings of walking in what you've been created to do. Thank you, Lord.